I was flying myself to Vegas, Phoenix, LA, New York to do these interviews in person. And I was thinking to myself, how much better of a conversation could this be? And again, maybe it's only 1% better, but I'll take that 1% for the mm -hmm. chance to actually like sit in person with someone and share their company. I just talked to John Cena recently. Yeah. How much better is it to have that photo where your arm is around John Cena or it's a split screen of you in one location and John Cena perhaps in another country doing the interview? Yeah, I know. Totally. And just being in the element together is, is so much more powerful. Yeah, there's something powerful there. Also, I think a big realization over this last year is that our greatest memories that we have are shared experiences. And that's not to say that you haven't had great memories on your own in solitude, but our best memories, our favorite memories are the things where we've shared them with our loved ones. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. Chris, welcome to the show, brother. I'm super grateful to have you on. I've been looking forward to this conversation. And man, welcome to University of Adversity. Thanks so much, Lance. I'm pumped to be here. Me too, man. Me too. And as always, the pre-conversation, I love it because you know we get the juices flowing. Then I'm like, okay, hey, we got to get going here. We got to yeah, let's we gotta, hit record. Let's yeah. not waste any of the good stuff. Yeah. So when I was introduced to you through our, uh, mutual friend Samantha, I was really I was drawn towards your work, you know, obviously Instagram. And I was, I was kind of like checking you out and just seeing, you know, the level that you've been able to achieve is really, it's inspiring for, you know, I've been in this podcast game, you know, since the end of 2018. So I'm just getting started, you know, on, on the big scale of things. And I really admire your journey and, and what you've been able to do and some of the people that you've been able to interview and, I'm really looking forward to unpacking that because that's a special thing. Like not everybody gets to do that and is yeah. able to do that. So I'm really kind of where I want to start is for those getting to know you and they, you know, they go and they see you. Sometimes people just kind of, they'll see you and they'll be like, Oh, this guy's always had it all figured out. This guy's, you know, where he's at now. And they don't really understand, you know, how you got there. So I would love to kind of understand how did you how did you get into this this world? You know, I know that you you went through a different couple of ways and, and you know you ended up in different cities and different opportunities, but how did this all brew? How did this all start for you? Well, look, I think it's important to point out that we're all a work in progress here, right? Even, you know, even the Oprah Winfrey's and Tom Brady's of the world, there's still a work in progress. So yeah. For me, it started with just a love and a passion for broadcasting. When I was four years old growing up in Pickering, Ontario, Canada, and I had a Fisher Price tape recorder. And I'm sure my mom still has these cassette tapes <laughs> yeah. of me pretending to be a radio DJ. And I was just drawn to broadcasters both on radio and television. And fast forward a little bit, I was in high school. And we had a communication studies class where we actually got to make television segments and pretend that we had our like own news broadcast. Mm -hmm. And that's where I just fell in love with this idea of like presenting and performing. And I've always just loved that idea. And I think at the heart of broadcasting, which is also now podcasting and content creation and YouTube videos and whatever, at the heart of all of that is storytelling. 
And mm. that's what connects us all together as humans is that idea of like stories. That's what drives me. That's what drives you. That's what drives all of us together is what our stories are. And I loved the idea that when I worked in broadcasting or if I could work in broadcast when I was younger, that I could tell these stories on a larger platform. So that's where it began for me. And if we're being honest here, as a kid growing up, especially in you know, a relatively small city in Canada, the odds of being on TV are not exactly great. Yeah. But I had this epiphany in my final year, my fourth year of university. I was studying communication studies there. And I loved going to school. I was living with four of my best friends. We had a great time. But it just hit me like a ton of bricks that at the end of that year, we'd graduate and then have to go to the, you know, quote unquote, real world for you know, the rest of our life mm. and have to work that nine to five or whatever, 40 hours a week for the next 40, 50 years of your life. And I realized in that exact moment that I did not want to be one of those people who hated their job. One of those people who couldn't enjoy Sunday because Monday was the next day. So I put all my efforts into reaching out to every radio station, every TV station in my college town and just presented myself as someone who was passionate about broadcasting, a communication studies major. And I just wanted to go in and volunteer and see how it was done in the real world. And that's where my career began. One radio mm. station brought me in as part of their street team to like hand out like stickers at events. Mm. There was a Rogers community television station in Kitchener, Ontario. And they said, come on in. All our, our whole station is run by volunteers. And I was like running cameras, floor directing, VTR, audio, all that stuff. And then another radio station brought me in and gave me a job, $8 an hour as a board operator. And that's where it began. It began with passion and drive and a very specific goal for where I wanted to be. I'm curious as to like the time frame when that was, because when we go back, it was very challenging to get into that industry. So what years, what, what's the timeline for that? Just for people with perspective. And then I want to, I want to talk about the shift over the years too, and like what that yeah. might have done. Yeah. What what was the timeline for when you first got in there? That was 2005 when I graduated from university. Okay. So think about this. Think about the world in 2005. Facebook yeah. had just started. Yeah. It was only available if you went to certain universities. Yeah. MySpace was kind of a thing, but it was really just for like posting photos and listening to your favorite pop punk bands or whatever. Right. But like, Twitter wasn't a thing. YouTube really didn't exist at that time. So this was still like that old media. This yeah. was still that old form of broadcasting where if you weren't working for Fox or NBC or CBS or ABC, you know, where were you working? Where was, how was that message getting out? Yeah. Cause I'm just thinking about those times and, you know, I used to work in a job where I listened to the radio all the time, you know, the morning yeah. shows in Vancouver and, and, you know, just, that was just such a part. And I remember thinking like, man, how does somebody get into that? And it's just amazing how different the world was then. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, you got 2005, 2006, 2007, and then things just changed. Yeah. And then a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, lost their jobs over the years because like there's, there's a certain amount of change and some people, you know, didn't make the cut and whatever it is. What did you see in that, that evolution of, you know, the entertainment, the audio entertainment as it went through and then eventually into podcasting. And what are some things that challenged you and that you saw along the way that maybe others weren't able to do? Well, I think that there was a real hierarchy 
for a long time. Mm. If you worked in TV and radio, you were on this higher tier. And if you worked for some sort of online outlet or you had a podcast or YouTube channel, I feel like you were looked down upon. And now I feel like that's really starting to shift a ton. Mm. For me, I was always really passionate about just like getting the word out there. I was an early adopter on Twitter. I was one of the first people on my TV station to have a Facebook page. I was one of the first to have an Instagram account. Mm. And then, you know, I probably had just a few hundred followers at that time, but that's a few hundred more people that were able to see my content than they were able to see my colleagues' content. So mm. for me, the shift really happened. You know, your traditional model of broadcasting is well, I'm going to use an interview, for example. You go out and you shoot an interview with a celebrity, a musician, a director, comedian, whoever. You take probably a 30-second little soundbite from that, and it goes on your TV show. And it is watched only by the people who happen to be watching Channel 19 at exactly 4.17 p.m. And if you weren't watching at that exact time, you missed that little snippet. And mm -hmm. I thought to myself, I've done some what I think to be like pretty interesting interviews and have these great conversations with these big names yeah. kind of sucks that the only people that are seeing this are the people that are watching that exact channel at that exact time. Mm. And I started a YouTube channel simply as a place for the raw version, the longer version of these interviews to live. And that's how my YouTube journey began mm. with me going, all right, you've seen maybe the 30 seconds of this interview. There's another 12 minutes. Check it out on my YouTube channel. That's really how it began. You got like 99 million views now. Just, yeah. Hey, no big deal. You know, <laughs> it's, it's been crazy. That's you know, insane, a few of those bro. videos have really popped off and like, yeah. yeah, it blows my mind sometimes. I want to ask you around about, you know, okay, it's not easy for everybody to interview these big names. And people ask me this, and I'm really curious because you've interviewed way more than I have and way more high end, high level people. Yeah. And people say like, what's it like to interview that person? Like, you know, and I explain, you know, the, the, the process that I went through that, man, there's all these like voices, like, Oh, I'm not worthy to interview this person. Like, please cancel, please cancel. Like shit like that going through my head. And then when they're on, like, especially like a Zoom, somebody like I, I remember I, I talk about like Grant Cardone or something like that, where I was like super nervous, man. It was one of the big dudes that I talked to. And then it just, you just step into this power or something and you just, you have to know that you are worthy to be there. Yeah. Like you, like that's what, it was like something that I had to realize within myself. And that's still pops up now and then, but I would love to know what's your process? Like, how was that for you? And first, when you, you first started to get in contact with these big names and then, you know, you got people like the rock Denzel, like, dude, these are like the biggest of the big, what does that feel like for you beforehand? And like, how do you, how do you step into that and stay confident with yourself? I think this goes back to what we talked about at the start of this conversation. It's we often see just the finished product. Yeah. And we forget that people like Dwayne Johnson or Denzel, like you named, started in a similar type of spot as us. We're just seeing the finished product here. Yeah. And I remember that, you know, I just, I remind myself that this is just a conversation between mm. two people. And I think that the biggest problem that people have is that they refer to these interviews as interviews. Yeah. And I think that when you label it as an interview with a capital I, it makes it sound really scary because- in, unless you're a podcaster or an interviewer of some sort, the only time you're having interviews in your life are like for a job or like yeah. if you got arrested or something like that. 
Mm. Interview is a really scary word. What we have in our yeah. life all the time, though, are conversations. If you and I were to go out and grab a drink right now, I wouldn't go, okay, I'm going to ask Lance this. And then when he's done answering that, mm. I'm going to then ask this. No, the conversation totally. would just flow naturally. And then you'd look at your watch and go, oh my God, yeah. an hour and a half has passed. This is crazy. So I frame them that they are all conversations. Sure, that person might be more successful than I am. Sure, that person might be making more money or be more well-known than I am. Absolutely. And they deserve all of that too. But I'm here to do a job and so are they, especially when they're promoting a book or a movie or an album or whatever it happens to be. They know the role that they're playing. They know mm. the message that they're trying to get out there. And I have to remind myself of that all the time. I'm here to do my job. They're also here to do their job. Let's meet in the middle and make some awesomeness. Yeah, I agree with that. The conversation piece, I say that a lot too, is that it's just that word interview. It's like, it's almost like a one-sided thing. And Definitely. I, for me personally as well with this show, I like the conversation. Like I, if it's one way, because I've been on podcasts where it's like people are just, banging off questions and i'm just like oh man are you even listening yeah. like what like it's just like a robot and yeah. and and i agree i think people like to hear that there's like a two-way conversation happening you know well, it's and it's not like a too. fully staged questionnaire yeah, it's, <laughs> it's more natural too yeah yeah i mean totally. we've all sat in a starbucks and listened to someone who's having a job interview next to us and it is exactly what you just listed off. It is question, yeah. answer, question, answer. It is one-sided. Mm -hmm. And we've, of course, all sat in a coffee shop as well where there's two friends that are just catching up. And it's this energy and this flow of like the back and forth. And that's what's more natural. That's what we're all accustomed to. That's why, you know, the greats, are the greats. That's why Larry King is so, or was so good at what he did, you know, may he rest in peace. That's why Oprah is such a great conversationalist. It's why Joe Rogan has gained the popularity that he has. Mm. And I think the most important thing at the core of all of that is listening. That is the most important thing. And I'll, I'll quote Larry King because it's a great, great quote, especially if you're an interviewer or a conversationalist. It's, I never learned anything by talking. And it's so true. Mm. You, you, listen, you learn by listening. Mm. the it's like therapy for me sometimes man mm. because we go some some people open up and share such deep stories that yeah it's healing for me too you know and for the listeners and it's like it never i never expected it to be that way you know when i starting a podcast it was like yeah i want to interview people and get the you know their message out but like it's actually healing for us too right do you, how how do you feel after talking or you know having a conversation with somebody that inspires you healing is a great word for it because look what we're doing right now whether this is done remotely or it's done in person this one-on-one -on -one conversation with no outside influences and no outside distractions is so so rare in our current society mm. you and i aren't looking at our phone for the next hour you and i don't have a waiter or waitress coming over to ask for our order this is just me and you and our words that's it there's something so pure about that mm. Yeah, and you rarely get to do that. Yes, it's like a it's it's like a hack, man. It's I I say to people, it's like my life hack that I've been able to have yeah. is to have these conversations because, you know, not only does it put you in an amazing state, but like you're storing all of this information from people, 
and you're at this this high level of conversation, you can only rise to that. And if you're doing that a lot, you become that. And that's what I noticed. It's like you start to have these, and the more more of these you have, the more you just that's just what you are. Yeah. And you just become that. Well, success leaves clues. We've heard that, you know, so many different times. And it's yeah. so true. And when you're talking to someone who is a high achiever, you're talking to someone who has accomplished the things in their life that you hope to one day accomplish, you can take little things from each mm -hmm. person and then start to apply them to your own life. Take a little bit from this person and put it in this drawer and a little bit from this person and put it in this drawer. And all of a sudden, you're just a few steps further along because of that information that you got from them. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree, man. It's like they... Yeah, and you you just build your own version of yourself. You don't have to like reconstruct what somebody else is, try to be them. It's like you learn, right? Everybody's a teacher. Yeah. It's like it's it's beautiful because then you just create your own. There can only be one one you, one one me. And if you fully honor that and step into that, then somebody out there needs your your message. Your words are medicine for some. But yeah. if you're trying to be like somebody else and trying to like be them, I've noticed that too. Like it's easy for me to compare and want to be fully like somebody else, but I'm like, no, I just, I like what they do here. It's awesome. I like what they do. I don't like as much with that. Like, and then you kind of build your own thing because then you're in truth. Then you're like, all right, I'm building, being my own person here. Yeah. Right. When you get advice from somebody who has walked in those steps and now they're doing the thing that you want to do. Their words have so much more meaning to them. I've had, you know, I've had the great opportunity of talking to someone like Tyler Perry, who was recently on Forbes billionaire list yeah, and like, you know, spending a few minutes with him, I feel like could be the equivalent of spending hours or days with somebody else. And what, what to them are just throwaway pieces of advice are things that I'll, I will remember for the rest of my life. Like when someone that's that successful says something to you or says something encouraging to you, you go, huh, yeah, I'm never going to forget that one. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt, man. Out of, okay, so I wanted to ask you this question because I was thinking about, all right, all the people that you've interviewed and there's just probably so many things that you've taken away, but around the topic of adversity, is there somebody that you've had a conversation with that their story inspired you so much and that they were they were able to overcome something that was just really special that stuck out in your mind is there is there somebody that because i love to just this you're right the stories are what feed our souls it's like yeah. and and to hear what some of these people have gone through you know particularly on this show or like you know maybe what you've listened to connected with is there anybody that really stands out that you can think of that is just like maybe you were kind of shocked, like, wow, like you are an inspiring human. And I, you know, whether you knew before or not, like, is there anybody that stands out like that for you? There's one that immediately comes to mind. And it's a very specific conversation that I had with The Rock. And he was promoting the TV show Ballers, where he plays a retired NFL player who's, you know, kind of finding his identity after he such a good show, such a great show. <laughs> yeah. But if you think about it, the Rock's goal in life, the Rock's dream in life was to play in the NFL. Yeah. And The Rock, as successful as he is now, as famous as he is now, 
did not accomplish that dream. And I asked him simply, I said, look, your character in the show lived that dream. You didn't. If you could go back and change anything to accomplish that dream that you had, would you? And he paused for a second and he said, no, I wouldn't change a thing. But think about this. This is The Rock, you know, biggest movie star in the world right now. Yeah, literally the most popular dude on the planet. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Who was a supreme athlete when he went to the University of Miami and thought for sure, I'm going to go to the University of Miami, be a hurricane, go on to the NFL, you know, and that'll be my career. And he played with some guys who were great. He played with Warren Sapp and he played with all, all kinds of great people on his team. And he went to the CFL and got cut from the mm -hmm. CFL. And I'm sure everybody knows the story that he calls his production company, Seven Bucks Production, because when he got cut from the CFL, he went back home with literally $7 and change in his pocket. Mm. I mean, you want to talk about adversity. It would have been so easy for him to go, well, I tried, failed. And let's, you know, go figure out whatever and live a mundane life. Mm. No, instead, he basically started from scratch and built his way up in the wrestling world. Then he started from scratch in the acting world and built his way up from there in Hollywood. I think that that is, again, we keep coming back to this. We keep seeing the finished product of so yeah. many people. And I think that that's one of the, one of the detriments of social media. I yeah. think that social media has a lot of good and there's also a lot of bad. You know, it depends on how you use it. It's a tool. Mm. You know, a knife in the hands of one person can end their life. And a knife in the hands of another person, like a surgeon, can save someone's life. And I think that social media can also be a tool that's used for good and bad. But I think so often we see just the finished product on there and we don't see the adversity that that person has gone through to become the person that we now see. Mm. So I'll never forget that. And The Rock said something very specific during that conversation where he said, sometimes things in life don't happen. And when they don't, they can become the best things that never happened. Yeah. And I think that's so important to remind ourselves that we sometimes have this path laid out for ourselves and we go, I'm going to do this, then this, then this, then this. And life throws us a curveball. And some people go, well, I guess it wasn't meant to be. Instead, maybe that's just life going, yeah, yeah instead of taking this path, just turn right here and mm -hmm. you get back onto that path, you know, maybe in a year or two or five or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. You have to be, you have to have a certain amount of flexibility in your plan. It's all like, you know, I mean, this is where I find that interesting and where I would ask him is like, all right, so that happened. What, what did you do 90 days from then? Like, I want, like, how did you switch from being, you know, cause that's a totally different road going from yeah. getting cut from sports. Who am I after sports? Cause I went through this with hockey and I, you know, I'm talking about it in my book too. It's like, dude, a lot of athletes go through a shit storm trying to figure out who they are after the athlete. Because you put everything into that and then you're nobody. It's but also been your life since you were five years old. Totally. And everyone's like, what happened to your career? What happened? Why didn't you? And, then, and you're just like, oh, okay. And then what are you? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that is powerful. And like, that's why it's, I, I find it so interesting because not only does the rock have like a relentless work ethic, but like what, how, like what was the thing in between there? I wonder how did he like, all of a sudden get into going that road. Like it's just like, and, and to be able to like, I go back and watch some of his old interviews or some of his old performances. That guy just had something special. Oh, yeah. Like I forgot. And I was like, I want to go check out what he was like. 
And like the dude was just like something special. Yeah, week in, week out, just oozing yeah. charisma. You know, I yeah. guess The Rock was probably in his prime in WWF at the time. WWE. Yeah. In 98, 99, 2000, that's probably when he was in his prime. So you go back and he's I mean, 26, 27, 28 years old and just so charismatic, both in the ring with his performances and outside of the ring with a mic in his hand. Yeah. Like how did he develop that confidence, man? Like that's, that's a level, like that's what I love to figure out. I think a lot of it would have to come from his father. Yeah. You know, if you dive deep into the story, you'll realize pretty quickly that the rock and his dad were not that close, but Rocky Johnson was, is a legendary wrestler. And I think that he probably took some of that charisma from his dad. Maybe that was something that he just Mm. copied from his father. His mom is also like the sweetest, nicest woman that you could ever meet. And I've had the great fortune of having a few conversations with her. So I think that it's partly, you know, his dad's charisma and his dad's presence and his mom's like sweetness and just genuineness. And you put that together and you get a megastar. Yeah, no, totally, man. It's, uh, it's, it's so interesting to just, you, you see somebody like that and like, he doesn't just fall into success. The guy puts in the work and it's inspiring, man. And, and it's, it must've been such a a rush to be able to connect with someone like that because you get that energy from them, you know, like, well, the thing is, I've, I've interviewed the rock a number of times. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, man. Because I was such a wrestling fan growing up. And The Rock was my guy. Like I dressed up as The Rock for Halloween one year. Yeah. Right before you step into that room to interview him, you, you know it's going to be a great conversation because it's The Rock. He's, he's great. But right before you walk in the room, your heart just beats a little bit faster. Your palms get a little bit sweaty because you go, this meeting means so much to me. And I wanted to be able to live up to these expectations that I have set for myself, which are probably ridiculously high. Yeah. You know, I can relate with you because I remember the first NHL guy I had on, I had Theo Fleury. Oh, wow. And, you know, when I started this podcast, I was like, I, I have to get this guy on, you know, it was like one of those people that I thought about in the beginning. I was like, well, that's going to be tough. And when I had him on, it was like that same thing. I, I prepared, I was like, I can't fuck this up. Like, I was like, I have to, I have to make sure. And it was just such a, it was just such an honor because, you know, being such a hockey fan growing up in Edmonton and, and, and that feeling of when you get to kind of see somebody that you idolize growing up, yeah, it's magical, man. But you're like, yeah. you're, you're right. As soon as you were saying that, I was like, yeah, I remember I was like super nervous in my palms and, and then you, after you're like, wow, I did it. And it's, it's such an accomplishment. It's almost like going on a great first date. Yeah. You know, you've got this energy (laughs) and this buzz. You're like, oh man, I can't wait to meet them tonight. This is going to be so exciting. And you don't necessarily write out specific questions. Like that'd be so weird to show up to a date with like actual questions. They would think that you were, you know, some sort of a serial killer or something. (laughs) Maybe you realize they have a few things in common and there's some topics in general that you want to cover. Yeah. And then when it ends, if it's a great first date, it ends and you just have this like energy about you. Yeah. And I feel like it's the same way when you have a great interview. Totally, man. Totally. There's there's not a lot that lights a person up like that. Those two, that's a great comparison. It's, you know, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about it, man. 
you know, it's uh, that feeling and to be able to get that, there's not a lot of things in life that will give you that. Yeah. It's like a, like I said, it's like, I, I explain to people about that. It's, it's like a secret hack yeah. that you get from someone's energy in like a space and yeah. people can feel that too. Yeah. And it's not unlike when you catch up with an old friend and yeah. things pick right back up where they left off a year ago, two years ago, 10 mm. years ago, whatever it happens to be. There's something about human connection. Yeah. And over these last 18 months, unfortunately, with COVID, we've all realized the hard way that we need that human connection. Totally. As introverted as you might be, mm. you still need that human connection, that face-to-face -face interaction to be able to hug someone, give them a handshake, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. And I think that that's been so desperately missing for the last year and a half. And I'm, I'm so hopeful that we can get back to normal. I'm glad right now that we are at least on the way there. Yeah. And this was, this is a perfect way into the next thing I wanted to ask you is around, um, you know, kind of adversity. Each person has had their own challenge in the last 18 months that they've had to face their own shit one way or another, you know, whether it's having to pivot or having to, you know, be alone and sit with themselves or whatever it is. But what's been your biggest personal challenge or anything that you've struggled with over the last 18 months that's forced you to really, um, you know, to, to look at and, you know, step into, or maybe there hasn't been. Walk us through that a little bit. The biggest thing for me is how I would get my content. My YouTube channel is filled with interviews and I right. was doing them all in person because I knew the power of that human connection. Mm. Even if the interview would only be just 1% better because I was in the same room as them, I wanted to be able to connect with them, shake their hand, look them in the eye, have a genuine human connection with them. And I've actually asked myself over this last year, if you have a Zoom interview with someone, did you really meet them? Mm. And I, I'm very like torn. Did you really meet them? Like we're having a great conversation right now and I'm so incredibly grateful for this. But if that, if that, you know, if I could shake your hand and give you a hug when this is done, that's, that's like truly, yeah. right? Yeah, I totally agree, man. That has been my biggest struggle because when, when COVID first started and the lockdowns first started in the middle of March last year, mm. I'd never recorded a Zoom interview in my life for my YouTube channel or my podcast. Mm. And I very quickly had to go, okay, what is Zoom? Because I didn't even have a Zoom account. Mm. So I had to like get a Zoom account. Then I had to very quickly buy a webcam. And then I bought this microphone. And like that all happened very quickly with me going, all right, for the next two weeks, because remember when COVID was only going to last two weeks? Yeah. I was like, for two weeks, I can do a few of these. And then two weeks turned into here we are sitting here, you know, a year and a half later. So that was a really big adjustment for me. That's so interesting, bro, because you know, I haven't had the opportunity to do a lot of in-person and I want to so bad, but like, this was how it started. This was my only choice, especially being in Vancouver. It's, it's tough when to bring people to the city like this. If you're in Vegas or LA, a lot of people go through there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, like now being able to have done so many zoom ones, it's like, it can only get better for me. And like, I'm almost excited that when I can do in person, I totally agree with you, man. It's a whole different level. You know, it's you go maybe have a workout, conversation. a workout before, have a bite to eat, like really bond and then just get into it. Totally, man. Because that's 
the human connection is more more than just looking it's like a feeling it's like an energy of like i totally understand and that's got to be tough for someone like you where you've started your your career where it was like all in person and all of a sudden it's like limited to a screen and i was also like i was so big on the idea that if you did the things that other people weren't willing to do you would get the other things that other people weren't able to get so I was flying myself to Vegas, Phoenix, LA, New York to do these interviews in person. And I, I'd racked up some miles with some of the airlines. So I went, okay, perfect. I can use 20,000 miles or whatever it happens to be to fly to Las Vegas for one night, then use some miles to get this hotel. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, how much better of a conversation could this be? And again, maybe it's only 1% better, but I'll take that 1% for the mm. chance to actually like sit in person with someone and share their company. Yeah, totally. That's such a good point. It's worth, and plus the footage that you can get is just so great as well. Also think about this. If you posted this, not that social media is the be all end all at all, but if you have a photo with, I'm just going to make up a name here of someone that you know would be great to have a conversation with. I just talked to John Cena recently. Yeah. How much better is it to have that photo where your arm is around John Cena or it's a split screen of you in one location and John Cena perhaps in another country doing the interview? Yeah, I know. Totally. And just being in the element together is is so much more powerful. Yeah, there's something powerful there. Yeah. Also, I think a big realization over this last year is that our greatest memories that we have our shared experiences, concerts, birthday parties, vacations, they're all shared experiences. And that's not to say that you haven't had great memories on your own in solitude, but our best memories, our favorite memories are the things where we've shared them with our loved ones. Mm. Yeah, 100%. 100%, man. What is, how has your family been with your career choice they must have loved it like did they i mean how is the you know are are any of them kind of in the same thing or are you the only one that does this kind of stuff like how has that been no they're not in the same (laughs) business or industry at all (laughs) but i will say that my dad has like a real passion and i've definitely got that passion gene from him my dad loves airlines and like air transportation He worked for the German airline Lufthansa for his entire career. My sister now works for WestJet. So like there's a real passion there. And while I am very passionate about something else, I still am very passionate about something. But I decided at like 17, when you pick your college major, that this is what I want to do for a living. And my parents were just always super supportive. Mm. And when I got my first internship, which was in Peterborough, Ontario. It's about an hour hour drive from my hometown. So I was living at my parents' house and I knew I needed an internship to just like get the ability to like have that demo reel. Like basically it's your proof of concept. Here's what I can do on TV. Now hire me somewhere. And I knew to get that demo reel, I needed to work at a small station. And I reached out to a whole bunch of TV stations in my final year of university and no one got back to me. And I searched long and hard to find the email of the general manager for Chex TV in Peterborough. And I emailed him directly and completely lied to him. I said, I'm going to be there for reading week next week. 
could I come by and just like have a conversation with you about maybe having an internship? And he went, ah, well, if you're going to be in town, sure. Come on by. We'll talk about it. I'd never been to, I hadn't been to Peterborough in like 10 years. And I drove up there with the whole intention of like, can I talk myself into this situation? And he looked at my resume and I had all that volunteer, uh, all the volunteer experience that I was listing off earlier. And he went, yeah, we don't usually do this, but give it a chance. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. And my parents didn't bat an eye at it. I was driving an hour each way, a hundred kilometers each way. Long story short, that internship ended up turning into a job. And I was a news reporter where you're doing everything, writing, shooting, reporting, producing everything. And I knew I wanted more. I knew I wanted something beyond that. I wanted something that could showcase my personality. And fast forward a year and a half from there, I had an internship for a show called 969 on City TV in Vancouver and also on MTV2 Canada in Vancouver. And I knew I had the experience to get this job. And I wanted it so badly because it was going to be interviewing actors and celebrities and musicians and all that stuff. And I sent them my demo reel and I didn't hear back from them. And I called City TV. I knew the name of the person doing the hire and I called City TV's front desk and I asked for that person by name. And I said, is so-and-so there? They said, one moment, please. And I went, oh my God. And I got patched through to like her actual desk line. I left a voicemail and she ended up giving me a call back. And I said, well, I'm going to be in Vancouver next week. I'd love to just come in and talk to you about the job. Again, total lie. I was not planning to be in Vancouver. It's a five-hour <laughs> flight, as you know, from Toronto. But she said, if you're going to be in town, sure, come on by. And ended up uh, five minutes into the meeting, they ended up talking about salary with me. And 30 days later, I packed up my 1995 Toyota Corolla and drove the 47 hours across the country wow. to start a brand new life in Vancouver. And all of this is to say my parents just kind of, I don't know, stood by and just kind of went, yeah, yeah this is exactly, you know, you've, you've always chased after the things you wanted. And if you want something and you're focused on it, you will find a way to make it happen. So my parents just kind of went, yeah, of course you made this happen. Dude, that is such a great story because again, I just want to highlight the importance of persistence there. Yeah. Winners persist. People that get the opportunities persist. Like you could have easily been like, here's the story I'm going to tell myself. They didn't answer me. I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. You know, someone else. And then, and then that's when the shit starts to unravel with people. And this is, this is why I want to really highlight this because what you could have done in that moment has been like, somebody else has more skill than me. You know, I don't, I don't think I can do it. They didn't call me because they don't like me. Oh, I must suck because they didn't Right? all these things. Majority of people, that's what the com that's the story they tell. Yeah. But you didn't, you took that and you were like, no, nah. you know, they didn't call me. I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take the initiative. I'm going to take the extra step that somebody won't do. And I'm going to have confidence that I belong there. And boom, before you know it, you're driving across the country. Probably one of the best the drives of your life. Person. I bet I was the only person that called them too. Because I thought to myself, what's the worst that could happen? That's such a simple thing, but it's so important. That's yeah. the difference, bro. Like that little bit is like what makes people, and that's why I love it, is like you're successful for a reason. It's not by accident. But those little things in the story separate people. Yeah, that's very kind of you to say. Yeah, man. Thank you. I just, I wanted to put the 
I wanted to put the onus on me. If I didn't get the job, I wanted it to be because I did everything in my power to try to get it. And then they ended up going with somebody else. Maybe, you know, maybe they hired a woman instead of, you know, that's fine. Maybe they were looking yeah. for a female to host the show all along. But I wanted to put, I wanted to do everything I could. Yeah. And if it wasn't for me, then they could go, yeah, sorry, we were looking for something completely different. Well, at least you know you did your best. The worst exactly. thing is when you know you didn't do your best. And that's what gives people a lot of depression or anxiety because they're like, I could, I had more in the tank that I didn't really give. And yeah. the reason I'm bringing this up too is like, I resonate with so many things in my life over the, over the years where like, I had to sit in that feeling of like, I could have pushed, I could have done more, you know, and it mm -hmm. didn't happen. And now I look back, I'm like, it all happened the way it did. But I, I know because there's opportunities where I let that, that voice talk me out of it. And, you know, then somebody else gets the opportunity. Tyler know? Perry said something to me. And I mean, look, you want to talk about adversity. He was living in his car, but he believed so strongly in the play that he had written and then rewritten and then rewritten again. He knew that it would be successful. He said to me, dream bigger. Because I, I sat down with him, I joked. I said, yeah, you had a news reporter in your last film. You know, I'd love to be a news reporter in your film. And he kind of goes, come on, man, dream bigger. I'm like, oh, I like you're that. so right. Why, why would my dream be to have one line in this film? Like, shouldn't the dream be like to be the star of this film? And if you don't become the star, you know, then you're still somewhere in this film. But the idea of like, dream bigger. Like set your goals, like crazy, yes. audacious goals, right? Have ridiculous, maybe even unachievable goals. Yeah. And I think it's so important to chase after those things. And to constantly be reaching for something that maybe isn't attainable. But if you're trying to make a billion dollars and you end up making 900 million, well, you'll probably be pretty okay with that. Mm. Yeah, totally. I, um, for the podcasters out there and the people listening, I, I, I would love to ask you a couple things around what your thoughts are at, because people ask me, well, how do you get these people on your show? Like what's, What's the, what's your strategy? Like, what's a good interview? And from someone like yourself, if somebody asked you, how do I, how do I be a good interviewer? Like, how do, how do I land a guest for, for those listeners out there? What would you say? How would you, how would you walk them through that if they're feeling like they're not that confident in that area? So to land a great guest, I think you have to lead with value. I think it's so important. They're giving you an hour of their time. And their time is so incredibly valuable. What are you giving back to them? Mm. And I think that the biggest mistake that a lot of beginning pod, or podcasters make in the beginning is it's a very one-sided approach. Mm. They say, I am so-and-so, I have this podcast, can you do this thing for me? And that's where it ends. Mm. And I think that it needs to be, you know, I'm requesting this of you, but in exchange, Here's what my platform is. It's you know ranked this on the charts. I get this many downloads. I have this many subscribers on YouTube, whatever it happens to be. What is the value that you can give them for their incredibly valuable time? Mm. Also, I can't believe how many podcasters will send an email without actually linking to their show. Mm. They will reference what their show is, but take the extra 10 seconds to hyperlink to your show. Yeah, I think that's such an important thing. You shouldn't have to have this person like, copy and paste and then search for your show totally. and look for it. If you've had any press written about your show, link to that as well. 
I think you want to give yourself as much credibility as possible because perception is reality with everything that we do in life. But I think it's so important with podcasting, YouTube, social media, perception is so important there. If you can say, I've interviewed this person, this person, this person, and they happen to be in that person's inner circle, well, they go, oh, well, if so-and-so said yes, then yeah, it's good enough for them. It's good enough for me. And I think it's important to add that in as part of the value as well. Mm. Yeah, I, I love that. It's so important to lead with value or gratitude or acknowledgement, you know, because like there's so many people pitching them. Yeah. It's like, why would they, why would they go? Why would they care? You know, and I, I totally, and it's like, there has to be, and I, I, I say to people too, like, about doing like thing, connect with them on a level that like, Oh, I'm not just like, I love your book, but like figure out like, what did you, something deeper that you can connect with them on? Like something that moves. You did them. love their book. Yeah. Find something specific in their book. Totally. Chapter seven really spoke to me when you talked yeah. about this, this, and this. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, um, I love that because it, it's so important. I, people ask me all the time, but I, I, I love, uh, this is one thing I wanted to ask you is like, because you, you know, you've, you've been in the game for so long, <laughs> like, like you've interviewed some amazing people and is there some stuff that in your com or sorry, conversation, I just, you know, interview is like, it's just the word, right. But you, yeah, know, no, you, know, what it, yeah. you know what I mean? But is there like something that is like your secret sauce that you're like, that you're, that you really have noticed works for you that it's kind of like ingrained in your DNA, your, your conversations now that can help some of the listeners out there. Cause people, people are just, sometimes we assume people know how to do this stuff, but some people don't, you know, and yeah. I would love to hear your, your take on your process. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people think they're great conversationalists because we all talk, you know, yeah. every single day of our life. But I think the most important thing that I learned pretty early on was that the interview begins, not when you hit record, but it begins the second you walk in that room, if it's in person, or the second the Zoom meeting opens, if it's a virtual one. Mm. And I think it's, it's so important to like start that energy, boom, right away, and then hopefully continue that energy the whole time. Mm. Because I've seen it so many times where someone will walk into a room, kind of low energy, and then the camera turns on, and then they try to pep up, and it's like, no. No. <laughs> Everyone can see right through this, including the viewers at home who and didn't even awkward. see what happened before. It's awkward because you're like, you're not being real. Like, it's like, it's like a weird thing, man. I know. So I've now taken that into all aspects of my life. If I'm going to meet up with my friend for dinner and I happen to see them walking down the street as we're, you know, making our way to the restaurant, I won't just be like, huh? Hey, Lance. What's up, man? <laughs> yeah. No, I want to bring the big energy with lots of love and power and positivity. Yeah, because you can feel that. Yeah. Right? Are you one of the I can tell you one of those those guys that can just like you you thrive on that energy. I do too. And like there's been times where I come on interviews and I'm like, oh man, this is gonna like there's like are you okay? Like are you gonna like, yeah. it's like and then it's like immediately into like into like these oh this sucks. I've had a hard day. I'm just like, whoa, okay. Like like let's, Oh, I know. It's like it's okay, or like, oh my technology sucks and I suck, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, it doesn't matter. It's like, yeah. it's just, let's just have like, and it's like, I, I know that feeling. I've also had people where you see them on social media and then you get excited and you see them in per on the, on the thing and you're like, whoa, you're not anything like what I thought. Yeah. 
<laughs> I think it's also so important to remind yourself that nothing before that moment, nothing before that Zoom meeting opening or you walking into that room with that person, nothing before that moment matters. It doesn't matter if you your alarm didn't go off or if you got stuck in traffic or whatever it happens to be. None of that matters. All that matters is this exact moment that you have right now and the energy that you bring to that. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. And there's just so many people that carry that other stuff into that. But then that's the story of their life too. You know, it's like you have to be able to kind of step into that. And like working in the bar and restaurant industry for so many years, it was like, it's like an actor, right? It's like you're conditioned to be like, okay, it's on, let's go. Yeah, like, let's, yeah. let's, like, you can't afford to have that, like, that lull, you know? Let me ask you this working in that industry, you're probably saying to people all the time, how you doing? And the answer is most likely, Doing great. How are you? Doing fine. How are you? How frustrating is it when someone goes, oh, I don't know. What a day, man. And you're like, oh. Yeah, you're like, man. Yeah, you know, it really sucks. You know, the weather out there, you know, everybody sucks. My job sucks. You're like, oh, boy. Yeah. What do you want to focus on? Do you want to focus, <laughs> focus on the things that aren't going well in your life? Do you want to focus on the things you don't have? Yeah. Focus on the things that are going well in your life. Yeah, man. Totally. And isn't that just the perspective in general? Yeah. That that is the thing. And some people are able to see that and some people aren't. Some people just need some help with it. And I think yeah. it's it's a journey. I mean, I wasn't always I, I I've just learned to shift my perspective. You know, that's part of what I'm writing in the book. It's like changing my perspective on everything and life, adversity, whatever. But that's that does take work sometimes. It's conditioning of like being in the scarcity mindset where it's like doom and gloom you're focusing on what you don't have versus what you do because we have so much man we do if we just sit down and reflect on the gratitude of things right like if we really just pay attention like everything around us like we're creators man is it's a miracle we're even here like it's a miracle (laughs) i couldn't agree more (laughs) oh bro um what are you talk us through what you're working on and where everybody can check you out? Cause I know that you, you know, your Instagram, YouTube, is there anything that, you know, we can look forward to that you're working on in the present moment? First of all, thank you so much for having me on. I've loved Dude. this conversation. And <laughs> yeah, next too. time I'm in Vancouver, we'll do this in person. Yeah, man. Absolutely. absolutely. Wherever you're listening to this, you can find my podcast, which is called insight with Chris Van Fleet. And then on social media, probably on Instagram more than anything else, but also Twitter and Facebook. It's just my name, Chris Van Vliet. And I'm close on my YouTube channel right now to hitting 300,000 subscribers. So that's, I think what's next for me is 300 and then keep going up from there. And I'm excited. I'm excited as things are opening up for like all of the possibilities that we're going to have. Yeah, man. For the huggers of the world, bro. You're excited. I'm excited too. (laughs) Yes. I'm one of them. Yeah, man. Me too. Dude, it's been an absolute honor. I um I have I I know that we're gonna have many more of these. I, I can tell. I love your energy. I think you're a great guy. And there's a reason that, you know, we have a few mutual friends and I'm looking forward to meeting in person, brother. I love what you're doing, what you're up to, and you know, the path that you've paved for, you know, the fellow podcasters, you know, ho- TV hosts, all of it, man. I really, I really love and respect your work. So thanks so much for coming on the show. No, it's my pleasure, man. I'm so glad we were able to connect and I uh, was truly grateful for this platform. So thank you so much, man. Much love. Thanks everybody.